0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Higher Self Being You podcast with me, Stefan Mullen, a place where we will be discussing being you and the energy you want to attract. So hello Dan, thank you for joining me today on the Higher Self Being You podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, it's an absolute honour, thank you very much.
0: You're very welcome. Uh, obviously we've been speaking about this for quite a while now and I know I just reached out to you last week and we decided actually let's just take action on it and get it done and dusted. So uh, obviously we've spoke about this before in terms of you joining the, the podcast for an episode and there was some really important topics that you wanted to obviously speak about so just before we we do jump into that uh, I'm mindful for anybody listening if you would be affected by uh, somebody speaking about their mental well-being or speaking about losing a parent or anything that is quite challenging like that maybe for you now is the time to switch off or just uh, leave the, the recording. Uh, just as well if anything does affect you as you're going through the episode and stuff please feel free you can reach out to Samaritans reach out to a friend family member or even reach out and speak as well to your your GP so it's important to be mindful of those type of things before we get started keep yourself safe so Dan could you just tell me first and foremost a wee bit about yourself so what type of person would other people describe you as? um
1: So I've had this, um, I'm hoping and I think most people think I'm a kind, caring and loving person and people, including my work colleagues, have said I'm one of the nicest people they've ever met, which in one way is a really nice thing, but another, maybe not, you know, like oh, is he too nice, that sort of thing. But yeah, that's a really nice sort of compliment to get. Um, I'm definitely organised, sometimes a bit too organised, like (laughs) organising things with friends, trying to organise things months in advance, those sorts of things. Um, I think my partner, well, fiance Nicola, would um, agree with organised. But I'm um, a bit of a queen freak. Like to have the, the house sort of as tight as possible. Not that we live in a bomb site, but with a, a six-month-old, that it, it, um, you know, it's a bit of a rammy sometimes. But um, yeah, sometimes too organised as well. So I think that's how, how people would describe me.
0: Brilliant, absolutely brilliant and Dan, when you're speaking about obviously being too organised and things, like, how do you find that balance from sort of being too over prepared because obviously life can throw challenges at us as well that we don't really expect.
1: Yeah, so I'm kind of very set in my ways sometimes and when there's are some sort of challenges coming I do struggle a wee bit. Um, at work, maybe if there's a wee curveball thrown in, I'm a bit like oh and it like takes me a wee bit of Maybe not a wee bit of time, but just a bit, uh, bit longer to like realise what I need to do and what needs done, and maybe reassess plans and those sorts of things. Um, same with like planning maybe trips away, like for like say example going to London for the football. Like I'll be looking at trains, see that there's works, and make myself like properly worked up that the trains won't run. Those sorts of things. So sometimes being too organised is not the best thing to be.
0: Yeah, I th- that's interesting. Obviously, you say that because my wife would describe me as just being one of these sort of go with the flow type people i like i i do tend to just go with the flow because again i think in my work i need to be organized i need to be more prepared uh and that was something that i struggled at the very start when i had joined my role six years ago i was like ah this this planning and organizing isn't for me whereas my wife is obviously very very organized kathy who you know and she she keeps me writing that but again it's something that i think finding that balance is very hard because you're either good at one thing and you're not so good at the other and that as well so Dan, prior to the, the podcast episode, I had asked you to tell me a couple of interesting facts about you that me or nobody else would have possibly knew, and you went on to tell me about things like fundraising for Cancer Research UK. Uh, could you tell me a bit more about that?
1: Yeah, of course. So um, I'll go on to speak about this in a bit more detail later, but I actually lost my mom to cancer in 2011. It was our second battle with cancer, which she sadly succumbed to in 2011. Um, so it was back in Hogmanay, 2014. And I actually saw an advert on Facebook um, about doing Dry January for Cancer Research UK, and I thought, why not? Like, I hadn't really planned on doing it, but as soon as I saw that advert, I was like, right, that's something I want to do. I thought, you know, it's not a huge thing to go a whole month in January dry. Um, not that I'm a big drinker anyway, but, um, you know, I just thought it was a bit of a challenge for myself. Um, as I said, it's a charity that's quite close to my heart, um I'd initially set a target of about 100 pounds I thought, you know, if, I, if some pals throw in, you know, they might be maybe buying a round in the pub, something like that, be absolutely delighted. Um but it sort of really took off, to be honest. Um my employer at the time, I was working in the press office doing some work with them, and one of their press officers um actually did a press release on me, sent out to like the PJ Evening Express in the local Stonehaven Cape where the man's leader and things. Brilliant. Um and then my dad, he was quite good. My dad and sister and that were, were quite good for sharing it. And um, dad was really ramping up, like not ramping up, but he was like, you know, if he gets to X amount, you'd be the happiest person ever, that sort of thing. And um, so in the end, I raised over a thousand pounds. And I was actually in the top 10% um, in the UK for that campaign, which was, I was kind of flabbergasted about, to be honest, and um, really proud of that achievement.
0: Yeah of course i think obviously it's something that you should be proud of whether it was a pound or a thousand pound or a hundred thousand pound at the end of the day like uh you had went through a a big challenge there and losing your mum, and as you said like we'll speak a bit more about that uh as we we get on and stuff but obviously dan when when we like obviously speak about cancer and things like it seems to be one of those words that tends to be out there quite a lot these days like uh, usually when somebody says they're ill, it's probably cancer. And that's, that's the mindset we have. What is it, cancer? What is it, cancer? Uh, And I think it's quite scary to think that something can take over your life like that and stuff. So like you'd said there about it being your your mum's second battle with cancer. I'm, I'm assuming that she had obviously battled it and beat it before.
1: Yeah, yeah. so it was back in 2008, she'd um, been diagnosed with breast cancer, so she'd, um, as I said, gone through treatment, chemo, radiotherapy for that, and thankfully overcome it then, but it was actually a lymphoma she'd um, had in February 2011, it was September, she passed away, it was all very quick, um, sort of, I remember my dad telling me, I'd actually been at um, Sunderland against Chelsea with my uncle the weekend that um the, the weekend before she passed away I didn't know dad didn't want to tell me because he didn't want to do my weekend which I absolutely respect and yeah. like that's one of my favorite memories as a family you know like we went to Sunderland Chelsea completely sort of on the hoof back in 2005 2006 January 2006 and that's like one of my favorite memories of like my family and my dad my sister and my mum. So. You know, it was one of the last things I went to see her on the Sunday when I got home. I remember, just remember my dad telling me, and just like my heart broke. And just I'd never felt of course. like anything like it when he told me that news. But like, I take a bit of comfort from the fact that that was one of the last things I sort of well, told her about, you know, like being at Chelsea that weekend against Sunderland, something we'd done as a family before. Like, I just I, I take a wee bit of comfort from that,
0: yeah. And I I think obviously it's something that your mum would be so proud like you sort of stepping up and doing uh, an episode as well to try and create a bit more awareness and things like that about cancer and I think for us obviously both being male uh like you, you never really hear of breast cancer in male but it, it's a possibility uh th- yeah. like you do hear of people getting breast cancer whether they're male or not so i uh, i think it's really important that if, if anybody does feel lumps or bumps or something that they maybe thinks a wee bit out of the ordinary then go and get a check because it potentially could be uh and i i, I think obviously for me i take my hat off to you because i'm very fortunate that I've got both parents, uh, to this day. Uh, but again, it's probably one of my biggest fears in life because I know that someday it could be a a, a reality, really. So, uh, but I try not to think about it too much because again, it is it is quite challenging when you you're constantly rewriting or reading the same story in your head and stuff as well. Like I think it's really really difficult. So, uh, and. Dan, you had said that it had all happened quite fast at the time. Yeah. Uh, when it had all sort of materialised, and like your your mum had sadly uh, passed on, God rest her. Like, how did you deal with that, or how did you you respond, really?
1: Um, I struggled, really, really struggled. And I'm not going to lie; like, I don't know if a lot of people, like my close friends, know I struggle with anxiety, but OCD here and there. Um. But uh, the day that it happened, it was just, I can't, i don't even know if I can describe the pain and the, the feeling of loss like that. It's just, I don't think you'd even, you wouldn't even wish it on your worst enemy. Like, it's just a horrendous, horrendous feeling. I, I really struggled. I still, you know, struggle to this day. Like, I'm, I love and miss my mum every day. Like, you know, my partner and I get married next year and, like, so excited to marry Nicola. But, like, the thought of my mum not being there eats me up inside when my, when our son Tyler was born, you know, mum not being there, these sorts of things, like, it's when I miss her, like, even more, um, but I, I know she's here somewhere, like, I, I don't know, like, there's just little things, but, um, but yeah, no, it, I really struggled after losing her, um, and, like, I actually got to the stage that my dad um, suggested I go see someone, just for my own head, to speak to someone, to get things out in the open, And to be honest, I was a bit, to begin with, I was a bit like, I don't want to do that. Like, it was a bit like, oh, there's a stigma around mental health. I don't want to be that person that goes to see someone. Um, But it's probably, I'm I'm so glad I did, because goodness knows, like, some of the states I was getting in, like, not that I ever thought about doing anything daft, but would I still be here if I, you know, today if I hadn't been to see someone? And and that hurts to say that, but looking back, it was such a difficult time. Um, So I just contacted my GP, explained the situation. We, um, there was a bit of a waiting list, but they were given some self-help and then it was talking therapy. So I got the option of going down the sort of tablets, antidepressants route or the the talking therapy, which I, it sounds wrong to say, but I absolutely loved. Like you just speak openly, like there's no judgment from the the specialist. Like there's techniques that I used then that I still use to this day. Like with, you know, if I'm having bad days or whatever, like still have techniques that I use um, so yeah, doing that was just probably the best thing for me, and so grateful that
0: I did. Yeah, of course, and like it, it, it obviously sounds like it was a bit of a game changer for you as well, because a lot had then sort of materialised from it. And you had spoke a wee bit about opening up and talking about it, like you'd said how that would you have been here yourself if you hadn't have sort of done that. Uh, could you go a wee bit more in depth about obviously opening up and speaking like is it something that you would recommend others do if they're in a, a sort of similar position
1: oh absolutely 100 percent, 100 percent. and as, as i mentioned a wee second ago i know there's maybe still a bit of a stigma around mental health from in men but honestly if if you're struggling please speak to friends speak to family as Stefan mentioned at the start of the show you know samaritans you know people would rather hear your problems and issues than be speaking at a funeral, you know, that sort of thing. Um, We'd definitely recommend it. I've got, you know, such a great friend network, you know, I've spoken to Stefan in the past um, after I had Tyler, struggled a wee bit to adapt to having him in my life, you know, I was able to speak to Steph and being a dad himself. Um, I've got a pal, Tam, um, who's like always there pretty much any time of the day over the, you know, over the phone. And we've got, such a great friendship. Um, I can pretty much tell him anything I'm feeling, to be honest. Um, and you know, he's there. You'll know, like, you know, if I'm just feeling down and want a quick chat, he's there, just to sort of, just even just if I know I've got ridiculous thoughts, or if You know, you've got ridiculous thoughts, writing it down, speaking to someone, such a such a huge help. So yeah, would definitely go with a speak to someone if you're struggling. Please, please do.
0: Yeah. Well, thank. Again, th- thank you, Dan, obviously, because you've been really open and honest and authentic. And I think, like, for me, that's why I try not to do too much editing and stuff to my podcast episodes, because I think authentic is better. I, I don't... I'm not one of these people... Like, people might look at it and think, oh, it's because there's more work involved and stuff. I, personally, I don't really give a shit. Uh, the way The way I look at it is that if you sort of edit something too much, it's kind of like your, your your own life. If you try to edit, edit it and edit it and make it sort of what you want it to be. Plans don't always work out, plans don't always go that way. So I think for me being able to have like a, that authenticness and stuff from you as well, like and am speaking quite openly about uh, the loss of your mum. Which I think, obviously, is a tremendous life change for anybody. I uh, oh, yeah, yeah. so so for you to to deal with it the the way you did and opening up and speaking and stuff is something that I'm proud of as a as a friend as well. So I, I, I commend you for that and stuff. So, Dan, you had mentioned as well about being a a parent uh, to to Tyler. Like, what was your thought process in the lead up to like finding out you were going to be a dad, and then obviously as it approached
1: yeah so the sort of initial finding out was just pure excitement like you know tears of joy that sort of thing was so so happy you know going to that first scan at 12 weeks and seeing this little person and you know was just like wow, that's like mad sort of thing um so yeah in the run-up it got like wow this is happening like a sort of it october november december came you're like it sort of get up to single week countdown you're like oh my goodness what's you know, I'm not prepared for this, you know, there's no manual for, for having a kid, there's no, you know, you can look after nieces, nephews, you know, things like that, but there's nothing really sets you up for being a parent, like being a parent, so Tyler decided, and uh, Nicola was booked in for a section on the, um at the beginning of January, but he was like, no, no, I'm coming three days early, so that was a, a rush across to Aberdeen Maternity Hospital, after Nicola had showered and things like that, you know, and um, so that was a rush across Anderson Drive. Um and yet Tyler arrived and honestly it was just such a I don't know if cereal's the right word, just an unbelievable moment. This little human is then is here, he's yours, well ours. Um, and you know we're we're here for it sort of thing. Um, the the first couple of weeks were a bit you know full on and uh, we had loads of visitors which was really lovely. Um, and, yeah, again, spend time with them. I had few, three weeks off my work. That was great. Um, and, yeah, I don't know, just the first month, month and a half, I'd say I kind of began to struggle. I don't know if it was just a complete change in life or what, but, yeah, just really began to, to struggle with it and was like, what the heck, like, got to look after this small human. Um, you know, it's pooping, eating and sleeping all the time. Um, so, as I said, spoke to yourself. And I've got a pal who's also... Got a wee lad, so spoke to him, see if he'd sort of felt the same about things. Um, so that really helped. Having again great friend network around me. Um, so yeah, that was that was good to speak to them. And it's only been, I, I'm almost embarrassed to admit, it, but it's only been like the last two three months I've really felt that bond with Tyler, like yeah. that first that couple of months I was speaking to you about. I would go and almost do something else. Instead, instead of spending time with him, I'd go and like wash his bottles or put the dishwasher on or deal with washing, that sort of thing. And it's almost, I look back with a bit of regret, being like, I wish I'd spent more time with him when I was off, when I was, you know, weekends, those sorts of things. But I now feel like, you know, I'm, I'm back in the office three days a week at work. You come home and get the biggest smile off him, which is just, it just warms your heart and makes everything worth it. You know, you go to get him in the morning when he's, he's now sleeping in his own room you just get the biggest, cheesiest smile from from him, which is like absolutely lovely. Um, the screaming matches aren't always the best, but you know, it's it's part and parcel of being a dad. And I I feel like it's it's getting there, if not there, the relationship of bond with him, which which is really good.
0: Yeah. And I thought I think like you, you hit the nail on the head initially when you'd said like there's no no manual for obviously raising a, a kid and I think like that was something that my mama told me when I was uh before I had found out obviously about my daughter and I think for me obviously again there's no manual for these type of things and the way that I try to approach parenting is that do you know what the best parent is somebody that tries. Uh, the For me the worst type of parent is the person that doesn't care or doesn't want to try and I think that is the that for me that's the differentiation between obviously being a good parent and supporting your kid or your kids and again it's it's no easy task of course it's not I, I think it's, it's really important to to know that so like when you're speaking there about obviously the, the bond and almost feeling embarrassed or ashamed like I, I again would say to you don't be thinking like that because at the end of the day everybody deals with this significant life change in different ways and Again, it's it's important to remember Dan that like you have to take care of your own mental well-being first and foremost because again the way I look at it is if I'm struggling, then my kids don't get the best of me, my wife doesn't get the best of me, my friends, my family, and even for example like doing my podcast everybody doesn't get the best side of me like they end up getting a a grumpier uh more like a antique version of me so i suppose like in a way it, it's important to remember that yeah there's no instruction manual the best thing to do is learn and learn together yeah. uh it, it's the most rewarding job in the world uh oh, like yeah. i i know you would agree with me like i wouldn't change being a parent as difficult as it is and Obviously, I was very lucky with my first child because, again, you, you know all too well that it was a case of, like, very good baby. And then mm-hmm. our yeah. second child, it was, like, up all night, all hours. And this is where I credit uh, Kathy for that because, again, I genuinely believe there's a reason that women are the the, the main sort of people to give birth. Uh, I know we hear some bizarre instances now where men are trying to give birth and stuff, but... <laughs> hey ho who am I to judge it's not for me but I think that's where like if I look at Kathy and I look at your wife Nicola and things like that there's a reason they they have this th- this just natural ability that I personally don't think us men have we have to obviously work a bit for that yeah. bond whereas like uh, a kid instantly falls in love with their mum because they've they've yeah. grown them really and we get the easy job at the beginning uh, we'll not go too in depth about that. I'm sure people understand the birds and the bees, like so. Uh, but Dan, just moving on as well to like uh, some of your your hobbies and interests and things, like so. I know that you're quite a Valentino Rossi fan. Um, yeah, yeah. Could you tell me a bit about Valentino Rossi and where that sort of stemmed from?
1: Yeah, of course. So, um, back to my dad. Um, I was remembering watching the old. 500cc, which is now what mobile GP's sort of merged into um, on the TV back in our family home. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Channel 5, you know, the really old pixely picture, picture, um, pretty bad. From then I didn't really take much interest. Um, I've got quite a lot of motorbiking memories of the family um, and my dad in particular um, and I was taken to quite a lot of events as a kid with my dad. and um, first one I remember properly was Knock Hill in 2000 when I met um, Chris Walker, who's my sort of childhood hero, um, met him. He won both races. son's shone at Knockhill, which is rare. You know, it was an all-round great day. It wasn't probably till two or three, maybe four years later, I got into MotoGP properly, um, and that was sort of the the Rossi golden age. I just I remember him being this this character. Um, you know, just you know, you get your mundane sort of riders. They do this, they do that. But with Rossi, everyone was quite, quite exuberant. And like you know his celebrations I remember one you know he pretend I think he'd been fined or something along those lines so he dressed up in like a jail outfit you know with a boulder pulling behind him and um, dressing as a chicken because his fan club had made up this story about his about him starting a chicken factory that sort of thing um so just from there and just you know it's like you know across the world there's probably a lot of Man United fans you know everyone's like oh you're a Man United fans to so the best club or were the best club in the world at one point <laughs> for a while maybe i'm not going to go into that but like supporting rossi it was like being a sheep and following him but like he was just he, he is you know he's still with us and um, he's just not racing the MotoGP gp anymore just this as i said larger than life character and sort of later on in his career um, you know last two three years of his career, he didn't do probably as well as you'd have hoped and fans would like, but he's done so much for the sport going forward, you know, he's got the the VR46 Riders Academy, he's bringing up young Italian talent for the future of the sport, and that's beginning to bear fruit now, you know, you've got um, a couple of riders doing well at the top of the championship, um, at the last race at Assen, two of them were on the podium, you know, to see that and what he's done for the sport, for the sport, sorry, is incredible, so yeah, I don't know. I just I kind of followed the crowd, but I'm not ashamed of that. Um,
0: whereas I would be if I was a Man United fan. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like like obviously it's quite funny for me because being a Liverpool fan, it's funny hearing a Chelsea fan it's like I'm a Man United fan. Uh, <laughs> in my eyes, they're both shite. Uh, so like, uh, but uh, no, I think obviously it's 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 amazing when you're obviously talking about like that role model again. It's it's interesting how we can latch on to somebody or something that we've maybe not known uh, in person or we've not seen in person, and we we can sort of latch on to that person and actually just sort of have them as a role model. I think, yeah. like again, very very similar. Uh, like I take many role models, but I'll I'll actually look at like again motorbiking just because of the the conversation, and I think like. For me, looking at like the the Dunlops back in yeah. Northern Ireland, yeah. like I, I absolutely love following Michael Dunlop. I think he's a terrific motorbiker, and the fact that the the fella has lost his uncle Joey, his dad mm-hmm. Robert, and his brother William to to motorbike racing, yet he still continues to go and do it at high yeah. speeds and stuff like. And I know like people always say that he's a petrol head and stuff like that, but. That, that, that takes a lot of guts and a lot of courage because he gets back on and goes and inspires a whole new generation and things like that. And I think for me, it's very, very powerful that we can actually look at people like that and take some courage from what they do. Because uh, again, like you, if I go back to like when you had spoke about losing your mum, if I look at any challenges in my life, sometimes it was just a case of looking for something out with and... Sort of putting my my sort of faith in them and like hoping hoping they would inspire me to to obviously feel better and stuff like that as well, which did turn out to be the the case in a lot of instances. And yeah. I think I think then as well, like uh, what 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 type of work do you do? I know it's kind of off. uh I'm sort of moving away from the the motorbike and stuff. But what what type of work do you do now, and how do you sort of fit that in around being a parent?
1: Yeah, so I um, work for the University of Aberdeen um, in a sort of in a digital marketing role um, and it's something I really enjoy. I get a lot out of my job, really enjoy it, you know, challenged every day in a good way and i well, got a fair amount of responsibility. You know, myself, my boss, Jill, run the, run the virtual open days, um, which see attendees from across the world, over 100 countries attend these events so that's a great responsibility to have you know we've got a, a campus out in Qatar you know I'm the web contact person for them help with our web updates those sorts of things so that's really exciting varied job you know I was lucky enough to go and visit Qatar uh, not long after I started a few years ago um, but in terms of fitting it around you know being a dad and that you know the university is great they're a really good employer I can't sort of speak highly enough of them and um, i'm thankfully in a position where i can sort of switch off from work and you know when i'm at home homes my, our time and um, to be able to spend with nicola tyler you know and just have that family time so i'm very lucky in that in that sense that i can do that and um, you know there's the odd occasion after we work till seven eight o'clock those virtual open days that i speak about but you know i i don't mind doing it just because you know I've got such a great employer and get such a buzz
0: buzz out of my job yeah and as when you're speaking there again about obviously your fiance nicola and getting that that time together like how do you make time for just you without obviously the wee man being there i uh, i think it's something that i value quite a lot obviously getting to spend time with my my wife away from the kids and stuff because i think it Without that, your, your relationship would then just sort of fizzle out. So I think it's important. But what type of things would you and Nicola do to obviously keep that romantic spark going?
1: Yeah, so we're, we're very lucky in having, you know,
0: family, friends
1: around us that will watch Tyler. Um, so we do get a bit of time. Like a couple of months ago, we go out for, you know, Nicola's mum took Tyler for the evening. We were able to go out for tea. Sort of go for a sort of old school night out um which which was lovely um you know just wherever in the last couple of years well I don't think we've been out since properly since before COVID time so that's coming on two of years now so that that was lovely and something I think we both needed just you know refresh recharge and, and have that night ourselves and at the moment thankfully Tyler's getting into a, bit, a wee bit of a routine so he's going to having his last bottle sort of anytime between half eight and half nine. So he's up to bed by ten, half ten. So it's a wee bit later, but we get that half an hour, forty-five minutes to watch maybe the first half of an episode of Stranger Things. You know, an hour and a half. We're not going to bed at midnight with the wee ones. So, you know, we are getting that time, and you know, he'll sleep throughout the day um, or, or later on in the evening for his bed and that. So we'll we'll get a bit of time there as well. So, yeah, we, we are very lucky. Um, have family around us that, that support us and give us that time.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. I think, obviously, what you're saying there, I think, again, it is really important because, again, uh, like Cathy and me would sit down without the kids and watch Stranger Things ourselves. So uh, God knows what we'll do now when that finishes. But I think for me, obviously, we talk about being busy all the time and it's very easy to just sort of neglect that relationship. Uh, I am trying to get more into a a position now where I, I don't look at my phone an hour before bed or uh, i would maybe spend like a sunday just switch my phone off throw it in the bed and just go and do my own thing just because i think technology just takes over everything and anything and like what what is your sort of views like would you put your phone to the one side or like how would you manage the technology because it's so prominent in our job roles yeah,
1: so it's something I'm I'm really bad for if, if we're sitting, you know, trying, Tyler's having a nap or, you know, having his bottle, Nicholas giving his bottle, I'll sit and just, just flick, you know, through my phone um, and weirdly, like, if I'm watching a game of football or the MotoGP, I'll sometimes be on my phone to read about what I'm watching, get other people's opinions, so I think there's definitely good in social media, um, for example, it's going to sound really random um our cat came home without a collar the other night like where she been it must be stuck in a bush or something but our neighbor around the corner and um, it posted on like the the local facebook group say a cat lost her collar ended up being piper's collar so we we got that back you know, it was a two pound thing it would be an M, but i don't know i just felt like i don't know i was saying to Nipple, i felt like overjoyed at the fact that we got a collar back not that we to go buy a new one it was just i don't know if it's it, it not overly sentimental but just nice to get it back and a bit strange that a collar on a bit of a naked cat so um you know things like that you know during the pandemic there was definitely things that were good through social media and um, they so keeping in touch with friends those sorts of things Um but I, I for one it's something i need to work on and because it's in recording i'll know i'll have to do it now but it's just to put my phone down sometimes i am really bad just being like oh what's happening what's happening what's
0: happening
1: Yeah, and sort of spend more time on that than i should be so something I'm going to
0: definitely try and do more of spending time off my phone. I know that when I'm looking at, like, the... I'm constantly looking at a laptop through work. I've got my phone. Then if I sit down with Kathy and am watching TV. And, like, it's just all these different types of technology. So, like, as a family, I would try and get them out now just to go a walk. If it's just around the, the yeah. local village or, like, uh, there at the weekend, like me, Kathy and her stepdad Ian, we went and actually climbed Benahy in Aberdeen and I've signed myself up now to do Snowden as well uh, at the end of September. So uh, I was just trying to find ways to get out and get away from technology because I think like we can get very, very bogged down on it uh, or bogged down <laughs> in it as well. Like so. So, Dan, just to... Uh, I've only got a few more questions for you, really, uh, just before we, we finish up. Uh, again, prior to doing the recording, obviously, we always speak about the, the dad jokes and how what he got, you had mentioned before about how you have got a terrible sense of humour. Uh, I think to, to lighten the mood and stuff, uh, it'd be quite good if you could tell me your favourite dad joke, if you could think of it off the top of your head. What's...
1: That is a good one. Um it probably would stem back to my bakery days, which were probably ten no not ten ten years or so ago. Um, probably just over that actually. Um and just jokes like in you know, making the hot cross buns, it would be like, Oh, we're having a cracking time and yoking. It's probably egg jokes to be honest. Cracking times, you've got to be yoking, those sorts of jokes, which I'm actually Sound
0: horrendous speaking, saying them out loud, but yeah, yeah, Just- uh, yeah. Uh, to be honest, that's excellent. So, uh, so like, yeah, I I always crack yeah. stupid jokes, and again, my wife Kathy looks at me as if I've got 10 heads at times, as I'm sure people listening are probably thinking the same, like, what the fuck am I listening to? Uh, so yeah obviously I think it's important to have a sense of humor. Uh, it's, it's something that I, I find gets me through the day a lot. Uh, especially like if you're, you're having a busy or a stressful day, it's quite good just to be able to crack a few jokes. I think we're, we're starting to come into a culture now where cracking jokes can be a bit of a, do I do it or do I not? Because people take offense to absolutely everything. Uh, what is your thoughts on, obviously, people taking offence to absolutely everything and anything? It, it's
1: it's a really good question. I think... You maybe stumped me a wee bit here.
0: Um, uh, I, can't, I, I, I knew I threw you under the bus there. Uh, yes. but I th- I think, like, just, just to add a wee bit more context to it, like, I think it's obviously... Being mindful that not everybody obviously has the same sense of humor as as me. The way I like to look at it is I know the people to to be able to have a joke with. Uh, I know who to sort of crack a joke with and have a laugh with. And I think it's important to be mindful as well of other people, like especially in a professional context. uh, If you're working and stuff, you don't want to be cracking a joke that's going to offend somebody. Uh, I think it's really important to obviously have that sense of humor, but also manage your surroundings and who you're with and stuff like that as well like so uh no thank you for that so have you any challenges like that you've you've sort of set yourself for goals that you've set yourself for the the next six months the a year dan yeah there is actually so um as i
1: mentioned earlier i get married to my partner nicola next
0: june
1: next june yeah congratulations Um, and god love her thank you thank you um, so I'd like to shift a wee bit of weight before then um, I don't know if it's just lockdown and a bit of dad bod but um, carrying a wee bit more timber than I'd like at the moment so I'd like to to get back into getting to the gym in the morning um, I went back to my fly a side last night that I used to really enjoy just since having Tyler, I haven't been but went last night, loved it again um, so just maybe try to do things like that eat a bit healthily so that's probably my number one for the next six to 12 months just shift some weight which you know and the fact it's a wedding you know probably one of the biggest days of my life along with having kids you know if that's not um you know if that doesn't sort of spur me on then then nothing will so yeah
0: Yeah. that's the aim and when when you say obviously like getting a wee bit more into like shape that you're happy with and stuff and as you said like maybe losing a bit of timber uh when you think about that like what date is your your wedding
1: the 24th of june next
0: 23 okay so what you could do to to obviously hold yourself accountable is you know now that you have to listen to this episode again uh yeah. even if it's just the last five minutes so do that three months before your wedding uh, and I'm actually going to hold you accountable to that as well. So I'll ask you three months before your wedding, have you listened to the last like 10 minutes of the podcast? Mm-hmm. And from that, you will hopefully have your answer if you've held yourself accountable mm-hmm. and managed to do that. Cause I think it, it, that's something that I, I find really powerful is other people and myself holding me accountable to my, my goals or obviously being disciplined to try and go ahead and achieve what I want to achieve because it's very easy for us to, to say we're going to do things, but then we get caught up in absolutely everything in life. So it can be quite difficult and stuff as well to to obviously do that. So, yes, I'm going to hold you accountable to it and you have to listen to this episode. Uh, such a, a dick move, but do you know what? No, no, it's all
1: right. Well, start weekend, get it listened to then. Like if it's not done by then,
0: then. <laughs> that sounds good. So, if it's not done by then, uh, I get to do a good stag prank for you. Um, and obviously we're going to make sure that Nicola and Kathy listen to this end, but as well. Uh, so Dan, just before I, I do come to the, the end of the podcast, one of the things I always speak about is surrounding yourself with the, the type of people or the energy you want to sort of materialize and manifest in your life. Uh, like, what way do you approach that or what is your sort of thought process on that statement?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a really sort of powerful um, slogan, powerful, powerful message. Um, you know, there, there's no point spending time with people who make you unhappy or, you know, just think what's, not, not what's the point, but like, you know, why am I spending time with them sort of thing? So one of the things I enjoy most in, you know, is spending time with my family, friends, and especially Nicola and Tyler. You know, they're my world. I love them both to bits. Um, so, you know, we can either have days where we go out and adventure, you know, go out to like, you know, just, just going about down the beach for a walk, you know, explore the seaside, those sorts of things. Or just have days like yesterday, we were just sat at home, you know, sat in the garden, enjoyed each other's company. And, um, you know, so to spend time with both of them's, you know, such a, a huge part of my life. Um, as you know, mentioned my pals, you know, going to the football, you know, watching about those sorts of things um is something I, I enjoy as well. and um, football as you'll know Stefan is is a huge part of my life. Um since losing my mum, my sister and I have become really close. Not that we had a bad relationship before, but like just just since losing our both become really close, you know, we've we've gone to today for quite a lot of years. Um so, you know, enjoy that. Um, you know, as the administrator of our fantasy football league, that's something to enjoy on a post-deadline, looking at what everyone's done to their team. And a bit like you and Cathy, we spoke about it. Um, Nicola and I will go through, see who's done what to their team, see, you know, how we're going to go top of our league. And it's like, it might sound daft to people that, you know, aren't maybe football fans or fantasy football fans, but like it is just, you know, it's, it's a game, it's a bit of fun, but it's something you can enjoy together, you know, as you're watching the scores come in, or watching Super Sunday, like, oh, I've got that player, I want them to score, and it's, you know, it turns into a laugh, which which is really nice. Um, we spoke about social media earlier, and I, I, again, you can hold me accountable to this and spend less time on social media and my phone. Um, You know, there's so much negativity on there, like, so much negativity, as both an Aberdeen and Chelsea fan, like, you know, Aberdeen one. 2-0 yesterday up in Peterhead, We should probably be in Peterhead. But like, folk are like, oh, remember the start of last season, we were all buzzing, da-da-da-da-da. You're like, just let folk enjoy. You know, if you think, you know, there's so many opinions nowadays. If you say X, someone will say Y, just to try and cause a bit of friction argument. Um, and, you know, there was so much talk during the pandemic, everyone be kind to each other. And there was a lot of that, you know, there'd be people being kind in the supermarkets. And since life's kind of gone back to normal, that seems to be completely forgotten. Um, you know, we've got folk being, if you don't mind me saying, like just dicks to each other for yep. for the sake of it. And you're like, there's absolutely no need for this. Um so yeah, um, something else that came to my mind that the other day was like being energy and that it's like I, I give blood regularly as well. Um Amazing. so it's something I'm I'm really proud of. Um I do it every Three months because of my blood type so it's something that i can give back and um, you know and you get a tonic tea cake and a, a cup of tea afterwards as well so if anyone wants to get a pint of my blood for that they're welcome to but like knowing you've helped someone and um, gives me a right buzz as well and um, so yeah sort of back to going off on a, bit of a tangent here but like just surrounding yourself with with friends family you know that's how i get the energy i want to attract
0: yeah not absolutely amazing like I think very very powerful because I think a lot of what I picked up from what you're saying is the connection so you had mentioned obviously about the football so it was the connection that you have with people you care about the people you love and again like you said about the fantasy uh, football, like some people might think it's daft. Well, fuck them. <laughs> what do you call it it's, it's as easy as that because at the end of the day, like that is, it's a way of connection. It's a way of us connecting as mates, as connecting as uh, partners. Again, watching the football scores with your partner, it's something you connect with. Other people, they have other ways of connecting. It doesn't mean we have to like it or love it. At the end of the day, that's their... Their sort of go to for that connection and i think every person that we cross paths in life with it all comes down to connection we either connect or we don't connect and the the way i like to look at it is anybody that has sort of crossed paths with me in my life whether i've liked them or not or they've liked me or not is that have i learned something whether it's learned something about myself or what i need to improve on or what i could do better i always try to bring it back to me and think right well what what can I do to, to be better and stuff? So I think a lot of what you had said there about obviously a lot of that comes down to, for me personally, that connection. Uh, again, why would you intentionally surround yourself with people that you find as arseholes and stuff? And I think... That again is where the likes of rugby, uh, I absolutely love rugby because it doesn't matter what team you support, you just all blend into the the one stadium. Whereas like obviously football, as much as I love my football, there's a divide and like you and me can have a laugh about it. We can have laughs with our friends and things like that about it. But then there's people out there that just take it a wee bit too far. And I think this is where it, it frustrates me that we still live in a day and age where there's still racial abuse that goes on. Uh, yeah, like yeah. I've always supported, like the stand up, speak up campaign, that, uh, Thierry Henry and thing uh, that we're part of. And uh, I think again, the the whole pr- process now through the pandemic, it's like, come on, get a grip. What 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 type of, and I think this is where the football clubs need to take more ownership as well, because it's like, you need to be better organized. You're, you just let everybody in because again, it comes down to money. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I struggle to get the Liverpool games because you either need to be in a, a group or you need to be part of a, a certain clique if you like to get in. And it's a pain in the arse because I share that connection with my dad. That was how how I called I got into supporting football. It's a connection I've had with my dad, and I love it. I love getting to sit down and watch a football match with him. And we've actually been to a couple where we we drew two two with a, a per poor Arsenal team. I uh, wasn't too happy with that, but again, it's just it's just those ways of connecting and things, I suppose. Like so, it's really really important. Uh, Dan, just final question, just to to finish off. Like, what would your top tip? Uh, be for anyone out there that is maybe struggling with, with what we've discussed, so whether that's losing a parent or mental health or becoming a, a parent themselves?
1: Yeah, so I have mentioned it a couple of times, and I, it would just mis, my advice would be just be to talk, please talk. Um, you know, I lost my mum and my life, and as, as, I, as I mentioned there, it was like just the worst feeling. Ever like horrendous, horrendous feeling. I've you know, thankfully never lost any friends to like you know taking their own lives or that. Um and God forbid it it sort of never happens. Um but as I as I said before, you know, our friends and family are there for you. Um and it is I think there is still, as I said, a bit of breaking down that stigma around mental health, especially men's men's mental health. Um and there's more that needs to be done there. But, you know, speaking, I, we're speaking about, you know, football just a minute ago and our interests. I, I think these role models that we come back to as well, they, they kind of do play their part. You know, they have their, I think, their mental health weeks and that sort of thing where they they focus on that. And that's going to help, you know, football still is, in most cases, you know, a very male-dominated sport. And, um, you know, it's great to see the women's Euros on TV and, and the interest in that. but. Um, yeah, just just more needs to be done around male mental health. But yeah, I would just say, speak, please. Like, there there is that, as I said at the start, I was like, oh, I don't want to be that person that goes and speaks to the GP. But as I said, it's the best thing I could have probably done at that time. Yeah. Um, I honestly, couldn't recommend it enough.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think, like, again, Dan, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, like, I, I would recommend people just take action. Uh and the the reason I say take action uh, is because for me, when I struggled many years ago with my mental health to a point, and it was it was after my uncle had taken his life. I uh, he took his life after like when I was twenty four, uh, and he was somebody that I looked up to as a as a a young kid. Like he he was somebody I loved, and again always missed but for me I went through a process for many years where I really struggled with my own mental health. I had those sort of uh negative thoughts creep into the back of my mind. And in a way, I believe he took his life and saved mine's. Uh because there was times that it crossed my mind, but knowing the impact it had on the family and uh friends and things like that again, it it changed my mindset completely. I uh, but I think as well, something I learned more more recently, and it was actually at a, a Stevie J retreat. Uh like I absolutely love these boys, what they what they do, what they stand for, and how they help people transform and change their lives. And I think like the, the reason I come to them is because a few of the things I've learned off them is the power of language. So one of the the things I always wondered why, why always me, why am I always depressed? Why am I always struggling with anxiety? Why am I always finding it difficult? Uh, and I'm f- fucking fighting with my own mindset, if you like. And why is that? And I, I suppose like one of the things I had learned from them is that because I was always telling myself the same story. So for me, I had been to counsellors. I'd actually been uh, to the Samaritans myself. I'd actually worked for the Samaritans or volunteered for them, if you like. And I think for me, it is very, very important to open up and speak about your feelings and about how you're struggling and how you're maybe not coping with them, but then also take action to to change them. I think action is a big point. So first sort of protocol or first step in that sort of journey or process is reaching out and speaking, uh, because I think it allows you to then hear it, you actually play it in your head, but in a different way. And I think this is the power of counseling. Uh, again, I've got my counseling qualifications. I understand the the power behind it. It is so, so, so important. But the big thing for me then is taking that action after. So what do I now do to get me out of this? And, a big thing that I had done was I stopped actually reading books on depression. I stopped reading books on mental health and uh, like all the, the sort of negative thought processes. And I started looking and reading and engrossing myself in books and podcasts and things that are about positivity and about changing your story and changing your mindset. Because I think it's really, really important that we, we change our thought process and, You've probably heard before many big uh, role models of minds like Tony Robbins and Stevie J and things like that. They always say, "Change your thoughts and change your world." Yeah. And I, I, I personally believe there's a, a reason for that, and I think it's very, very important. So, I, I apologize for adding on a significant. No, actually, I don't apologize. I'm glad I added on that bit to to your your obviously you speaking there, Dan stuff. And I, I just personally want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for coming on to the. The podcast because I think this was something that I started up over a year ago, and the the aim of the podcast and it still is the aim is to try and help one person every episode. It, for me, it doesn't have to be hundreds of thousands, it doesn't have to be hundreds of millions. If I help one person per episode, the way I see it is that they could go out and potentially help 30,000 So again, it's about that connection, I suppose. So yeah, thank you Dan for for coming on.
1: Thank you, Stephen. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. You're welcome.